Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Hey, everybody. It's Johnny King. I'm here with another episode of The Johnny King Show, and I have an amazing guest who's joining me all the way from the other side of the world in Australia, Reigns Sanga. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's amazing. We were able to connect through some mutual friends, and we had an awesome conversation initially, and I kind of felt like once we were done chatting for however long we chatted for an hour or whatnot, like we could have chatted for another three hours. So this very well may be the, the first of many uh, podcast episodes, but thanks for, well, I guess it's early, but not that early. If you told me before we started recording that you're up regularly at four, four thirty in the morning, right? Yeah. Doing work with clients overseas. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Whatever works for them works for me. So that's I like awesome. early mornings. Yes. Yes. I do too. Tell, tell people who are listening or watching, a little bit more of your background and, and who you work with and what do you work with them about and things like that. Um, so I am British born and bred, uh, living in Sydney, Australia now. I have a degree in psychology, a master's in psychology and a master's in social work. I worked from child protection and the probation services right through into corporate working with executives, predominantly men, um, working around stress management, um, addictions. I've just launched a new project now for Speak Through, which is about finding your voice and vision, which helps people with their anxieties. It's not just for public speaking, it's for people in general mm. who are unclear on their own purpose and message. I went on to study Shiatsu. Um, I wanted to understand more about the mind-body connection and more with how we function as a whole rather than in separate parts. I then studied and worked with Dr. Martini for probably about 10 years. So my background has just been exploring and understanding human behavior and finding solutions mm. to our problems. I love it. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, yeah. In a so, nutshell. To, to take your career and try to wrap it up in 30 seconds, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> remind me what is, uh, what's Shiatsu again? Shiatsu is the study of meridians in the body. And it's the study of postures and faces Mm. and working out where all the meridian points are in the body so you can work out what's going on for a person. Mm. Um, shiatsu is where we originally got the, we understood the whites of our eyes. When they're yellow, that means there's something wrong with our liver. Mm. In traditional Asian medicine, they have known that for centuries. That was a new thing in Western medicine. Um, I studied the shiatsu side component of it because when it came to human behavior and stress management, they did research papers that showed we people who are in hospital die 
um, early morning. That's when people tend to pass away. Hmm. And it's the hours of between three and five, I believe, is our lung meridian. And they found that's when people mostly passed away, is when their lung meridian actually collapsed. And that was a Western paper. Hmm. So it was piecing all of those things together that actually there is a mind-body connection. And our lungs are attached to our hope. Um, it's where our inspiration comes from. So the work that I did around yoga as well has helped me understand that mind-body connection. So if your mind's working, your lungs are working. When your mind stops, your lungs will stop. Right. That's why sh uh, shiatsu was uh, probably more important to me to study than anything else. That's really cool. Is there an element of that, that there's breath work connected to the, the lung conversation of how much I mean, right. And yoga and obviously hundred percent. Oh my goodness. If for anyone who is listening, if you cannot do anything else, take slow, deep, even breaths mm. and drink water. If you cannot manage anything else, do those two things because 90% of us are made up of water. Um, breathing will help calm your central nervous system down and, that fight flight response that we talk about, that's a, parasymp uh, that's a sympathetic response. You wanna calm that down during the day and breath will help. Explain to those that maybe don't know, what's, what's the difference between sympathetic and parasympathetic responses and that sort of thing? So our parasympathetic response, so our central nervous system mm -hmm. is made up of parasympathetic and sympathetic. Sympathetic will, is, is meant to come on during the day. Mm. It helps us with our fight, flight, freeze response with challenges throughout our day. At night time, when we go to sleep, our parasympathetic is meant to turn on for rest, relaxation, rejuvenation. When we're under severe stress or our perception, I'd like to just rephrase that, our perception of severe stress, um, our sympathetic, parasympathetic can come on during the day and creates anxieties, depressions. Your sympathetic then comes on at night time, causing nightmares, night tremors, that, that jerking response. So you've gone into fight mode when you should be resting. Mm. So um, being able to breathe and control, it's called diaphragmatic breathing, mm. is, um, is really helpful. It, just a few minutes a day doesn't have to be an hour. Yeah, I know. I think that's yeah. people overcomplicate it and think it needs to be meditating for half an hour or an hour when it really could no. be five minutes. 100%. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, then when it comes to uh, the work that you've done and even on your, your website, you have a really cool new tool. You have the, the Life Compass. Is that correct? Yes. Tell us a little bit more about that. What is the life compass. Tool? Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Um, the life compass was designed. It's just a set of eleven questions for you to go in and access and work out what's truly important to you. So, the life compass is just about demonstrating to every single person that they're a unique individual. Mm. Even a set of twins or triplets won't have the same direction on their life compass because everyone 
will value different things. The whole point of it is for you to have an opportunity to go in and just genuinely work out what's truly important to you. Often people are very surprised by what's important to them. They think it's one thing, which is um, injected through parents, society, our upbringing. It's just a, a really lovely way. It takes 10, 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Go in, do it every three months and work out what's going on for you and how you're shifting. So that beautiful life compass is a great way to just guide you to your purpose and your mission. Mm -hmm. When you're in relationships that aren't working, it's because you've been taken off your true north. If you're in a job you don't like, it's because it's taken you off your true north. It's a great uh, gauging tool just to work out where you are. Mm, did you that. do yours i did yeah i did i have to to pull it up in my e i do i do remember thinking it's i mean i i kind of similarly i feel like my experience having gone to some of tony robbins uh you know initial initial uh seminars he really kind of got me awoken to the fact that like in my mind actually i thought intellectually that i wanted or that i valued love first and you know growth you know yeah. that sort of thing when in reality he, he was like no no where you spend your time is really what you value and i realized i was valuing more security or certainty yeah. and then significance because i felt very insecure and so even though i thought i was really you know doing one thing altruistically really in reality i was doing the exact opposite and messing up my relationships you know so you see that's pretty common though like you said people think they're 100 100 you think it's going to be one thing because you that's an injected value someone in your past has given you the impression that that's what should in quotation marks mm -hmm. should be important to you the life compass that whatever you value there's no right or wrong in it it's whatever you perceive has been missing from your life will be the very things that create your life compass. Because we're, we're built that way to seek whatever we perceive is missing from our life. Um, the things that I value the most is my work around human behavior, researching, working with my clients, running workshops. Um, that's where the speak through now will have online work now, especially with COVID. Um, my work with addictions, all of that comes from my past all of that comes from my perception that those things were missing when i was growing up you know my father was a heavy drinker there were issues going on at home no one had any of the solutions so we our life compass is built and made up of the things that we perceive have been missing throughout our life mm -hmm. that's why no two people see the world the same way right. that's why two people won't ever have the same life compass pointing in the same direction Mm. may i ask what your your three values were your, your three drivers yeah i have to go back and think um it was health yep. for one uh that's probably my top one um just relationships in general connection um if i'm no. remembering it correctly and then um i felt like personal it was like personal development or it was growth or learning i forget which one yep. that area was but certainly made me realize that the areas that I struggle with, <laughs> no wonder, yeah. because I don't put a whole lot of time and effort into them, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I could pull up my email here and, and go back and see for sure what I was going off my memory. But I, I do feel like 
health is kind of like, just because my parents both grew up, uh, when I grew up, I should say my parents were obese and my mom passed away in 2006. And I just kind of felt like I didn't have a great experience because of their not so great health or prioritizing their health. So it's made me a lot more, you know, focused on it. So, Yeah. yeah. And look, and, and, and this is where parents, when they have children, um, they think they're going to create their own. Mm-hmm. You're going to make them into, into the way you see the world. And actually, they'll end up doing the exact opposite because mm-hmm. they don't want, our children don't want what we have. They want mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what we were craving. Mm-hmm. And the same with our own parents and their parents and our mm-hmm. grandparents. I'm looking at it now. So my top three areas were uh, social was at 30%. Mm-hmm. So my, yeah, my relationships and everything else connection there. Physical was 27.27%. So health. And then actually business and career was 21%. Beautiful. Yeah. But sometimes I really struggle with my finances, you know, and my personal and business uh, just, all those various things when it comes to the the number side of thing, I didn't get a whole lot of that mentoring when I grew up and not surprisingly, that was at 0%. Yeah. So, and look, you can change it, but you can change your drivers as well. Mm -hmm. You can change your drivers so that money comes into the top three, Mm -hmm. but you have to then change your actions. Mm -hmm. So people who don't have money, don't value it. Mm -hmm. That's why people don't have money they don't mm. value it they don't see its worth um the the two things that make up our net worth is your other worth your ability to generate money and the other component of that being able to keep that money would be your self-worth mm. um it's not a new theme uh people have been talking about it for thousands of years in books that there is an attachment and a link between uh self-worth and our ability to, to make money, which it creates our net worth. Mm. But you have to value it. Um, often, if it's not important to you, it's not important to you, but you can make it more important to you mm. by changing your actions and seeing how it would be advantage to you in your top three drivers. Mm-hmm. Is that how you would recommend going about it? Is just changing my actions? Do I need to change my story? about why I'm not necessarily valuing it as much. I'm not a big first. one for going in and talking about uh, stories because uh, I, I don't think it's helpful. It's mm-hmm. just changing your actions. It's irrelevant if you grew up poor or you grew up rich or you don't value it's irrelevant. But if you take your three drivers, social, physical and business and work out what action steps would help you value money in those top three areas? Because that's where your inspiration comes from. Mm-hmm. Socializing, connecting, business, looking after your health. Mm-hmm. So we're not trying to make money anybody's God or replace your drivers. We're just saying, add the money component to those. How would it benefit you being valuing more money in your area of social and business. How many business books do you read? How many books do you read on money? Mm-hmm. Do you have savings? Mm-hmm. There's plenty of books to, to read for any, depending on where you are, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, mm-hmm. The Cash Flow Quadrant, mm-hmm. also by Robert Kiyosaki. 
there's Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. There's some amazing books out there. Um, the Book of Wealth is a great one. Then for people who do have money, you then just start looking at how to build generational wealth and keep it mm-hmm. yeah, and get away from that old saying, it takes one generation to make it, one to consolidate it, one to spend it. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we want to get rid of that. So it's not ever too late to start valuing money because the truth is, is money buys us choices. And when we don't have money, our choices are limited. Mm. Um, there's not a correlation between money and happiness, which I think people make the mistake of. Right. But it definitely buys you choices where you live, the food you eat, if you value your health. I don't know uh, what the cost of food is doing in the US, but food is astronomically expensive in Sydney, in Australia, compared to the UK. Uh, Sometimes it's $6 for an avocado. Mm. I think that's expensive if you're trying to feed a family on healthy food. Yeah, very much so. So money plays a part in everything. The type of food, not just materialistically where you live and the types of clothes you wear, but the types of food you can eat, how much education you can pay for. Mm-hmm. You know, my education wasn't free. You know, paying for three degrees was expensive. Um, then studying shiatsu, studying uh, with Dr. Martini, it's the same costs as Anthony Robbins. It's not cheap, mm-hmm. but money buys us those choices to develop ourselves, to improve our life, to, to make it, what we want it to be. It's not necessarily about the Maserati and the Ferrari and the ridiculous photos on Facebook. Right. Right. I, I imagine you, you designed this life compass out of obviously your experience, yours and, and your partner, Jennifer, right? You guys both did it or you created it yourself? I created. Oh, you created it. Cool. Life. Cool. It, uh, coming out of your experience, right? And I imagine you yes. see a lot of patterns um, you know, within human behavior, where are you seeing the areas that, uh, you know, if we can even broad stroke and, and kind of put people into like, they really struggle in these areas. Is it just any of those that we just talked about in terms of, um, you know, just the, air, the areas of life? Or is it specifically like, oh, a lot of people really struggle with their physical health, or they really struggle with their finances? Or what are you seeing as, as people or are you getting responses back from your life compass? people are really struggling with people are struggling mostly uh in general being very very general most people are struggling just with uh being authentic Hmm. i think people are really struggling and that's what creates stresses and mental health issues and addictive behaviors and stops people from being able just to speak their truth out loud Hmm. and that includes being at home you know, being able to speak your truth with your loved ones at times is just as difficult. And it's about the the biggest struggle, I think, um, the impression that I'm getting from the Life Compass and from my clients globally is that people want the truth. Mm. The truth about who they are, why they are the way that they are. And the whole nature-nurture debate does not cut it anymore. It's enough. People are now looking for more than that. Mm. If you're, you know, my father was an alcoholic, you know, we can debate all day long. When I was a heavy drinker, is it because my father did it? Mm. 
it's irrelevant. I did it. I stopped. I think we're looking for more. Uh, people are now looking for more answers than if it's just their environment or just their genetics. People are looking to take responsibility. I think people, I think there's been a shift in the world. People are ready for this truth now. They're ready to take ownership. They're ready to take responsibility. And I think the Life Compass is a perfect starting place. That's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect little place to start, to go, this is my direction in life, as it is. Go back and do it because our, our life direction does change throughout the course of our lifetime. But I think that's been the biggest thing, Johnny, is... Um, is, is people just don't want to live their, their life the way that it is because they're not actually, they haven't been living their life. They've been living somebody else's. Mm -hmm. So the inauthenticity really touches on each of the, the six areas of life that your love, that your life compass kind of focuses on, right? Family, yes. financial, social, mental, business slash career and physical, right? So the inauthenticity you're saying is a, that, issue is affecting any of those areas and it shows up differently for hundred percent okay hundred percent interesting so it's just would you say it's then just a programming or, or where are people getting i mean we're i agree i mean i felt like i lived 30 years of my life kind of just going through the motions as it relates to how my parents and society and church and everything else kind of programmed me or, or put me into that direction right is that kind of that's is that in essence where everyone's getting their direction is it just social media these days or where's it it's, really coming from it it nothing in human behavior has changed it's not it's still mother father preacher teacher mm. <laughs> that starts that's where it, that that programming starts right from day one from the womb mm-hmm you know, because your mother carries you, you're holding, you know, you're taking on board her perceptions and her stresses and her strains. So mother, father, preacher, teacher mm. are the four in general. And then it becomes peer pressure. Then it becomes your university lecturers if you go to school mm -hmm. uh, for further education or it becomes your boss. Mm. And the, the day just then, or then it becomes your, your wife or your husband. The day just then comes when you go, is this all there is? Mm -hmm. And we describe it as a midlife crisis. Um, people will often talk about our personality doesn't stabilize until we're around 28. Mm. Um, I don't know how much I believe in that. That was the old philosophies that I, I grew up in uh, within education. Um, that midlife crisis is where your life compass and all everyone else's life compass, when you're smashing that and you're going, it's a midlife crisis, an identity crisis, whatever you, you call it, that's just the clashing. Mm -hmm. It's now conflicting with you so much, you cannot take it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that creates enough turmoil and leverage, I guess, if you will, to, to hopefully create not only change, but true progress. But I do feel like, at least for myself too, if I hadn't have had the, the guidance and the direction of various coaches and mentors, I, pr I probably would have 
well, who's to say, but it very would have been easy to, to go down the path of alcohol or drugs or sex or gambling or whatever, right? Just because I'm, I'm lost, I don't know where to go. And I think that's the key is like the life compass in my mind is like helping you point to your true north, right? 100%. How do you figure out through, through the tool that you have online to figure out your true north? Because like you said, so many people are searching for that passion or that direction. Can you repeat the question? I didn't hear. Sure. I'm just wondering how, how are you, how's the tool supporting people figuring out what direction to go in and what their passion is? Cause I feel like so many of them are, are missing that in life. Look, the, the tool's just a, a guide to show you that your actions speak louder than your words. Mm. Um, I shouldn't eat that piece of cake. I should have gone to the gym. It's getting rid of all of that and just looking at what's actually truly important to you. Mm. If you're not going to the gym every day, you don't value it. But you're beating yourself up over it because somebody else values it. Mm-hmm. And now you're building up your guilts and shames. Mm-hmm. so this is it, it's just an opportunity to to look at your actions what do you surround yourself with how do you spend your time how do you spend your money where does your money go mm-hmm. you know when you're talking to yourself what are you internally because everyone talks to themselves um what are you talking to yourself about um because those are the things that will help you find your true north not the could have, would have, should have from everybody else, from that mother, father, preacher, teacher. Mm. And then even, you know, they're not programs. Those people are just living to their life compass. Some people, that is their life compass. Mm. And your life compass and my life compass and somebody else's will just vary greatly in comparison to theirs. Mm -hmm. That's why people... uh, they and it's not being derogatory to teachers uh but that's why they say that those that can do and those that can't teach Mm -hmm. i don't understand how if it's for maths great um if it's for something practical of course you go from school to uh, university and back to school again but it's not teaching you any life skills Mm -hmm. you know i think education this was just about taking education and the university of life and trying to put them together to give someone that opportunity just to work out what's important. to them. Absolutely. Uh, it, it just gets me thinking about men in general, because I feel like I'm, you know, obviously I'm focusing a lot on working with men specifically those last couple of years, but then prior yeah. to that, I worked with women for eight years and I certainly saw a lot of patterns in women. <clears throat> now yeah. I'm starting to see a lot more patterns in men Granted, we're all human beings and a lot of our needs are similar, but we go about them in different ways. 100%. So focusing more on men, where are you feeling? So if we're taking that topic of inauthenticity and how that's showing up in men's lives, you know, I guess what what are some of the bigger challenges that are you seeing throughout your career that men are facing just in today's day and age that need to be really focused on and healed for there to be progress in men and how men are showing up and representing themselves in the world. Yep. Okay. Before I answer that, let's just go back to when you worked with 
women to now working with men, those patterns will show up differently. Mm-hmm. And it's because of our hormones and we're wired differently. So um, estrogen makes you more uh, emotional. Testosterone makes you more angry. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll talk about that um, and how that's showing up in in men um it's i think men have it really tough at the moment because well not just at the moment but i think it's come to a head now Mm. because you still have testosterone you're told to control your testosterone um and you're trying to please people at work you're trying to please people at home um, men are trying to be the great achiever professionally. Men are then trying to be the best provider. You've got women who want you to treat them as equals, but only when it suits them. Mm. It's, I think men have just, I think there's a bit of an identity crisis going on for men and it's showing up as anger, depression, suicide, anxiety, and addictions. Those probably would be my top five that I've mm. seen mm. for men. Because it's almost like being stuck between a rock and a hard place and not knowing where to turn. So that's, that's been my experience. How, how have you found it? Well, when, just as you said that, I'm thinking about uh, some of the, the surveys I've put out to, to my group of men, especially just here in, in Denver. And one yeah. of the top emotions that the vast majority of all of them felt is anger. You know, that they're constantly feeling angry, but they don't know what they're angry about. They're just pissed and they get behind the wheel and they're just angry or whatever the case might be. They're angry. They don't know where to go. When you, when anybody becomes angry, it's when you are so frustrated because you're not on your own life compass. You're not on your true north. You've just been taken off it by your family by your career, by the life choices you've made. That's it. Go in and do the life compass. Find what's truly important to you. Do more of those things that are important to you. Mm. And the anger will start to subside. Mm. That's what I feel like is, uh, is the thing that I've been more or less preaching, which is like, there's, there's a lack of alignment, you know, between, like you said, it's, it's, what we feel like we should be doing that's right which is attempting to control all the things we can't control versus actually taking responsibility for one's life um and and asking truly where they want to go in in their heart in their heart of hearts and for me that that came about you know at 30 years old and i was like what am i doing this for and what do i ultimately want because all the things that i thought i wanted it was kind of a midlife crisis and yet I, I was kind of pushed into it or thrust into it at 30 versus say 40, 45, whatever. And so I felt like it was actually a huge blessing because it got me really deeply thinking about what is this all for? And I feel like so many guys struggle with the same thing. And to your point, when I feel like I'm kind of backed up against the wall and I don't have anywhere to go and I'm struggling, that's, it just comes out in anger, yeah. right? And, and, and look, I, I think it's compounded further by the whole domestic violence thing. I think 
uh, in the UK, it was just predominantly advertised 20 years ago that men uh, do it to women. And then they did the same thing in Australia. But the truth is, is there are as many women who do it to men. Mm. And I think that some of that anger is coming from being misrepresented um, even by the government and being misrepresented by society mm-hmm. in general that you feel like everyone's against you the government mm-hmm. you know you, you uh, even when it comes to consent for sex you know it's that i think men are just treading on eggshells constantly treading on eggshells not wanting to do the the mm-hmm. I, I say the wrong thing because you don't know what the rules are right right so if you don't know what the rules are then how do you know what the game is right the rules keep changing and uh, and i think men get a really raw deal from it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it makes me think of a, a relationship i've had in the last couple of years where I felt like I was always walking on eggshells with her. And I felt like the, the rules, like you said, the, the expectations or whatever the case might be, the, just the rules, they, they kept on changing. So in one instance, I followed along with what she asked for, you know, and then again, but then the rules changed because she was in a different mood. And That's so right. ultimately what, what happened was I just ended up shutting down completely. Yeah. I just felt like I couldn't win. And I yeah. just felt like I couldn't be myself. And I just ended up becoming this kind of, you know, emotionally flatlined human being, you know, and shoot, you know, I ultimately ended the relationship, but it could have gone either way. You know, she could have been the one ending it because I, I wasn't showing up, but then she was always, she just got more and more angry at me, you know? So it's just like, I, I can't win. You're getting angry. We keep changing the rules. I'm walking on eggshells. This is not going to work. You know, what do you feel like is that, well why is that why do i why is it that i mean is it is it because of the the estrogen that one day no no and it's not like no absolutely not what drives that look that's where i think for me when i'm working with men especially around relationships Mm -hmm. ultimately your job as a human being um and Particularly, I would say for men, because, uh, and I'm being very general and very stereotypical that most men let women take the lead in in relationships. Um, Your job is to work out what your negotiables and non-negotiables are Mm. in your relationship. Mm -hmm. If if this, you know, being angry, or, or in whatever's going on or chopping and changing the rules work out. If that's a non-negotiable for you, put that rule in so that it makes the, your partner equally responsible and accountable. Relationships about working as a team. Mm-hmm. It's, it's working together and it's hard work. Mm-hmm. So if you're working against each other, that's even harder. Yeah. So it's just working out what your negotiables and non-negotiables are. If you're with a partner that drinks every night and that doesn't work for you, then leave mm-hmm. or give them the option. This is a non-negotiable for me. And my partner and I do it. Um, 
he just gave me one about he didn't want somebody at our wedding it was the oddest thing it was a sunday lunch we're having it our day and uh he just came out from it, it just came left field mm-hmm. and he just said that's a non-negotiable and i went oh okay because once you've been given a non-negotiable the other person then gets to choose whether they stay or leave mm-hmm. i think that's the fairest way to do it do you feel like for it both makes, people does it make sense to ask for context and to better understand them i mean obviously you you want to know well why why don't you want that person at the wedding or why why is this particular thing a non-negotiable he d- oh look he did i did i asked why and he gave his reason and and that was it yep. my, and my job is is to respect that and vice versa if i give a non-negotiable it's his job to respect that soon as we say the word non-negotiable it's about treating each other with love and respect mm-hmm. so and i would say that to anybody in a relationship if you're not uh, everyone has a different definition of love but respect if being angry with someone or chopping and changing the rules um if you're not sure what's going on just check in with yourself am i being respectful or disrespectful mm-hmm. to this person mm-hmm. is this person being respectful or disrespectful to me is that a non-negotiable mm-hmm. uh, respect is a big non-negotiable for from in in our relationship is that respect has to come even before anyone gets too irate that's we have to come back and go remember mm. and i think sometimes it's easy to to become complacent in our relationships yeah um, but it's but as uh, women are pretty clear with what they will and won't uh tolerate um I think men have as equal right to to say what they will and won't accept in a relationship. I'm not into this uh, women want equality, but then they want your bank account. Mm-hmm. You either you can't chop and change and pick and choose which parts of equality you want. You either want the door open for you and you want to be looked after or you want the opposite, but you can't chop and change and have both at the same time. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. My experience I personally love it when men open the door for me or yeah. let me get into the elevator first. I love it. I just, I think I just love it. I think it's really lovely when men are so thoughtful, mm-hmm. but that's me. It's a, yeah, I see it. As, and I do that too. I feel like it's just an honoring. It's not a, uh, it's not any means of any disrespect. It's just an honoring of the feminine of, of women, you know? Yeah. And I, so anyone that takes it other than that, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but I don't tend to lose sleep over it, but that's just how I am as well. So, yeah. So, yeah. My, my thought, uh, and, tell me your experience i feel like i agree with you i feel like women typically do know what their non-negotiables are they're they're pretty clear i feel like you know statistically they say women are more mature than men are at their age you know and so i 
like, especially with men that I'm working with in their thirties and forties and stuff like that right now, a lot of times they, they don't even know what they want. I don't even know if they, they'd be able to tell you what their non-negotiables are in relationships. Maybe they know them, but maybe they just need help, you know, drawing them out. But what would be your suggestion if a guy's listening to this be like, okay, I don't even know what my non-negotiables are. How do you elicit those? Do the life compass first. Yeah. Do the life compass, work out what's important to you, truly important to you, then work out what your negotiables and non-negotiables are around your top three drivers. Mm. So, For you, yeah. if socializing and connecting is important, mm -hmm. you wouldn't do well with someone who is antisocial. Mm -hmm. Correct. You, you we're not saying go for the opposite, but you're not going to find exactly the same as you because everyone's different. Right. But you then go, if, if health is important to me and social and business, you're not going to date someone who is overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. That's not, and that's your non-negotiable because you saw what it did to your parents. That's a non-negotiable. You're not going to sit there now and watch your partner die. Mm-hmm. So work out your, your life compass, work out your, your top three drivers, then work out what your non-negotiables are in those top three areas. Okay. And then when it comes to raising kids, do you, do you talk about that at some point? You'd be like, well, my, my non-negotiables is how I see myself raising my children. And I mean, you gotta have that conversation, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, I have a stepdaughter. She's three years old. She is like the, she's the best thing ever. She's just amazing. She's an amazing human being. So when Scott and I got together, there were non-negotiables around that, that I would not tolerate him not taking my side or supporting me when it comes to discipline. I don't believe that a three-year-old should be mollycoddled. There's no right or wrong way of parenting, mm -hmm. but those are my non-negotiables are is she's a little person in the making mm -hmm. and I will treat her like a little person. Mm -hmm. um, and she has her KPIs when she's with us. She has to make her own bed. Mm -hmm. um, she has to, um, she has to put her own toys away. Otherwise they get put in the toy box and everything's gone. She has to, it was a non-negotiable for me that she, would listen with me to Dr. Bruce Lipton or Dr. D. Martini. So we have our days where it, even in the car and she'll do that. She has her affirmations. That was a definite non-negotiable for me. I'm a big believer that the words shape our mind. Um, her little mantra is I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom. And uh, th those were my non-negotiables. I knew that if, uh, you know, if, if there was ever a child in my life, I wanted them to have education and I wanted them to be treated like a little person. Mm. And Scott was all on board for that. He's, he was fine with the education and, and, and all of that. That would have been definitely a non-negotiable. Mm. Um, having a child that throws tantrums, you know, throws themselves on the floor. Yeah. Definite, definite non-negotiable. Mm. Changing gears uh, as we wrap things up. Another big topic of conversation with guys, I feel like, is just the, the conversation around shame. They, they often are talking about 
and I will speak from my own experience, I feel like shame has been an underlying current throughout my life. Um, and I don't know exactly where that perhaps comes from, but have you had, has that come up for you and your work with men at all or? Huge. Right. And what, I guess it doesn't, I, like you said, maybe it doesn't matter so much the story of where it came from, but how do men work through shame if they really feel like they're just not good enough? So guilt and shame can only come two ways through our motor. So it's something you did or didn't do physically yeah. or through your sensory perception. Mm. That's the, those are the only two places where guilt and shame can come from. You can only have guilt and shame when you judge what you did or didn't do compared to another person. Mm. You've compared it in order to have any judgment on yourself, positive or negative. So it's wise to go back and look at who you judged yourself against and what the benefits were to you of whatever it is that you have guilt and shame about that you did or didn't do to yourself or did to someone else. Because mm. you're only seeing the drawbacks. Guilt and shame is where we only see the drawbacks. Pride and self-righteousness is when we only see the benefits. Mm. Our job as human beings is to see both sides of an equation. Uh, Dr. Martini will say wisdom is seeing the speed at which you see both sides of any event. Hmm. So if you're only seeing the guilt and shame, go in and see the benefits to yourself and to others that witness that. Because um, that internal voice going back to uh, wealth building or making money and keeping money, uh, the, your guilt and shames will be the biggest thing that will keep you from ever building wealth. Hmm. And building um, not just wealth in money, but wealth in all areas of life. Hmm. Being wealthy in your relationships, having good quality relationships, hmm. good quality health, good quality education, good quality. Even in business, we know that there are people that work with integrity. And we know that there are people that don't, hmm. you know, and will choose to work with people with integrity because hmm. that's important to us. Mm -hmm. So it's having that wealth in all areas of life that you feel that you you give yourself that chance to be rich in all six areas of, of life um, and dissolve that guilt and shame. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, that's a big part of the a book that I'm writing right now is, is about that is in terms of like, in my mind, it's like becoming a king of my own life. King of my kingdom is really being wealthy in all areas of my life. Areas, that's right. Right. And so it's, it's the, the shame probably interweaves with that inauthenticity in many regards, right? Yes, um, 100%. And I think that's a big part of what I'm seeing as patterns that show up not only in my own life, but in the lives of many of the men that I'm working with, you know? So I think that's what yeah. I, why I asked the question, because I, I see those patterns and guys are still lost and oftentimes trying to figure out where to go with healing that part of themselves. You know, they might intellectually know, okay, I need to handle shame, but how do I go about actually changing my actions to your point to increase my self-confidence and my self-worth? So, And it's changing the perceptions. Don't forget, there's only three things you can ever control in this world is your perceptions. Those perceptions will lead to what decisions you make. Mm -hmm. And those decisions will lead to what action steps you take. Mm -hmm. So the only three things you're ever in control of are your perceptions, your decisions, your actions. Mm -hmm going in and, and dissolving that shame and guilt 
is changing your perception, which will ultimately then change your decisions and action steps and increase your self-worth. Done through coaching, done through therapy, done through seminars. What's the, is there any right or wrong way to do it? There's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, I run workshops on, on guilts and shames um, to help people. And we'll sit there together and go through the whole, what the benefits were of all the things that they've ever felt guilt and shame over. It's a really long weekend, but it's, mm-hmm. so, it's so worth people doing it. But for other people, it's, um, it's education. There's a time and a place for therapy. Um, but sitting there and just thinking and talking out how you feel is a great way to get it off your chest. Just make sure that it's dissolving. Because mm-hmm. I've worked with men that have been in therapy for years over the same thing, and then we've worked together, and they're fine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to go on for years and years. So it's whatever works for them, um, but don't run away from it. Mm-hmm. Anything you keep running away from, you'll keep running into the the only thing i would say is please don't run away from it (laughs) yeah amen and i think i've i I will have uh agreed with that sentiment which is if you're not taking responsibility for the things that you're doing in your life and or you're running away from your fear it's just going to keep chasing you the rest of your life so are some of these workshops things uh, are your workshops uh especially with COVID going on right now and also just the, the distance, do you do workshops online virtually? Or is a lot of, what, what does your coaching and your support look like? So most of my work was phone-based even before COVID, mm. apart from the workshops when for groups. So all of that now is, on, is online. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can, people anywhere in the world, that's I think the beauty of it is that you can connect with anyone and access that um often if it's no longer over a weekend then it's too much to have somebody sitting by themselves you know for all, the best part of 24 hours 12 hours yeah. a day saturday and sunday yeah. Yeah. so the only difference is is that that's been split into six weeks worth of work we work for two hours together you then go away and do your homework you come back we do more you go away and because the whole point is, is that you're developing your own tools and developing your own independence so that you can then keep working on it after I've, I've gone. So you're not then becoming dependent on me, just developing those tools to, to help you, not just for the course, but for the, the rest of your life. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So if someone was wanting to, take the life course or check out one of your workshops or be in touch with you. Tell, tell the listeners and viewers how, how best to connect with you. Um, if you go onto my website, you can just, if well, there's two websites now we've got, there's my mind, your own business, um, which is the business consulting website. I think I think we're losing you a little bit right here at the tail end. Unfortunately, you still there? 
losing you there. You still here? Ah, uh, are we back? Oh, is, do I have you back? Yes. Okay, sorry. I, of course, I missed the, the very best part there, not the best part, but you were saying two different websites and then we lost you a little bit. What were those two websites? <laughs> of course, it's just to the other side of the world. No big deal. Take things for granted with the, the audio and the, the technology these days. We may have lost Hello. her here. Oh, you still there? Yes, no, maybe so. You there? Hello? Hello, hello? Well, sorry, folks. Uh, folks, if you're uh, still hanging in there with me, a little technical difficulties, but I will include her website. Uh, I know one of her website is called speakthrough.com, which was where you can take the life compass. Um, and then, um, again, her name is Rains Senga, and she does an amazing, uh, amazing work and support and coaching and, like she said, workshops. I don't know why we lost her there at the very end, um, but nonetheless, I know you can get in touch with her with that website, but then also mindyourownbusiness.com.au, okay? So just to reiterate that, it's speakthrough.com.au, Australia, or mindyourownbusiness.com.au if you'd like to get in touch with her. So thank you again so much for joining us. I apologize for the technical difficulties, but that is life sometimes, especially when you are <laughs> video chatting with someone who is literally on the other side of the world. And uh, pretty cool that we take this for granted, but uh, nonetheless, I really appreciate you join, joining us and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you soon. All right, take care, everybody. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.